Welcome to First Generation Burden, a series of conversations with immigrants and the children of immigrants. My name is Rich Tu and I'm your host. So we're right in the middle of season five. This is episode 38. Thanks for listening. Thanks for coming back. Today's guest is Mara Lecoq. She leads brand and community at Fishbowl, a social network for professionals in the creative industry that allows for honest and semi-anonymous conversations. She's also the founder of Where Are the Boss Ladies, the largest database of senior women leaders in advertising, and she's the founder of Secret Code, which I love this. It's a customizable children's book that can star any young girl as a tech hero. And on top of that, she has a really storied career in advertising, having worked at places like AKQA, 72 and Sunny, and BETC Paris on brands like Starbucks, Nike, Verizon, McDonald's. We talked to Mara about her upbringing in the Philippines, her mixed French and Filipino heritage, and how her talent has allowed her to live all over the world, finally bringing her here to New York. In her own words, Mara loves helping the disempowered rise through their professional development. And what I love about this conversation is that we talk honestly about how the creative industry can innovate itself by taking a good look at who's steering the ship. So make sure you listen to the end. This was recorded at Listening Party at Canal Street Market, so thanks to those guys. Here's our conversation with Mara Lecoq. Cool. Are we recording right now? Oh, yeah. That, that red button's flashing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> cool. I so you just a, moved to Fort Green? I did, but first I have a little surprise for you. Oh no, Mara, come on. <laughs> it's like a... Ta-da! Oh, I love that. <laughs> You're for the listener, uh Mara Lacock is wearing a Philippines shirt. Uh Boracay. Yes. I've never been to Boracay. Oh yeah. Well, no, it's it's beautiful, but it's kind of like Ibiza. Or Ibiza. Ibiza, yeah. <laughs> um, oh, it's a, it's a party central? Yeah, yeah. So it's really cool with friends, but... Uh, See, now we need to go. Yeah. <laughs> but there are other beaches that are just more like where you can really disconnect. Totally. Well, I, I, I you know, selfishly, or not selfishly, regrettably, I, I haven't been to Baraka yet. Haven't been to Palawan yet. Oh, what? I know. <laughs> I don't go home that, that often, actually. Um, our, our mutual friend uh, Angel yeah. uh, when she brought me out there for their last Adobo um, oh, yeah. Adobo Summit I was I was just you know first time I'd been back home in so long yeah and like it was so transformative for me yeah how long did you stay there for? like four days five days oh, awesome. and even that like dense amount of time it was just so cool yeah yeah I loved it yeah I mean you should definitely Damn, that's your... awesome <laughs> you're making me so jealous <laughs> Uh, yeah, you should definitely go back. Um, there's this thing called Tao Philippines. Have you heard of it? No. Oh my god, it's so good. It's like it's like glamping and island hopping in okay. one five day trip where okay. you, you have no access to internet and you're sleeping uh, in huts uh, on different islands every night and you're just like traveling. It's like a, a road trip island hopping. Got it. And that's an experience that you can just buy as a package. Yeah, it's like 500 bucks for five days. Oh, not bad. And the money also goes to rebuilding schools and communities. So it's like win-win everywhere. Mara, thank you so much for coming today. 
Thank you. This is so fun. I haven't seen you in a while. Yeah. But I feel like we communicate like through social media, just like here and there. Yeah. And also I see you like in all your speaking engagements, you're you're doing so many amazing things. I feel like I'm experiencing you like on the regular anyway. Oh yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. And you just had a speaking engagement, did you not? Yeah, yeah, just uh last week. It, yeah. it was fun. It was uh for the three percent conference. Yes. Um it's yeah, have you heard of it? Yeah, I've heard of three percent. Yeah. Um the the they're really helping the advertising industry. Uh, move the needle for diversity for sure and uh, yeah it was a it was a cool exercise I did where I uh, invited everyone to share their main weakness to the strangers they were sitting next to oh interesting so yeah I wanted it to be interactive you know like I'm kind of you know oh, we, I just want to oh. bring that like really close oh yeah and closer? also just feel free to feel free to move this around whatever oh. you gotta do okay yeah like this yeah, okay, yeah. Cool. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm a lounger person uh, yeah <laughs> I'm gonna lean back um and uh no, it was cool. It was like people were crying and networking at the same time. So it was kind were of Were they fun. really? Yeah, they were like, I was crying with people from Apple next to me and, you know, we exchanged our contact information. <laughs> is that is that a typical experience of 3%? I've never been. No. So that was an idea that I pitched because I work for Fishbowl. Yes. Um, and for those who don't know, it's a, it's a chat app for professionals of the same industry to have honest conversations about work yeah. semi-anonymously. And uh, it's uh, what's really cool is that when you post, uh, you post with your job title or with your company name, but never both at the same time. So it gives you enough context to what you're asking about uh, while feeling safe, uh, asking a question that you wouldn't otherwise feel comfortable asking like on LinkedIn or to your coworkers. Yeah. Um, and so because it's a community of professional strangers that come and support each other, I wanted them to live that experience in real life. And just the whole premise is like, when you're at work, it's hard to be yourself sometimes. Actually, yes. most of the time. Of course. Because you're supposed to, you know, you can't talk about your your flaws or your what makes you insecure to the person you're trying to inspire, the right. person that you're managing, or the or the boss that who has control over your raise or your promotion, mm. or your coworkers who are doing your peer review. Sure. So you often because so like, much is about perception. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and then everything builds up and you have your doubts and, and then suddenly, you know, you just sort of like this, there's a lot of tension. So I just wanted to give them an occasion to, to release it with um, supportive strangers around them. Right. How big was that crowd? It looked pretty big for yeah, the photos. Yeah, it's like a, a thousand people. Wow. But in the Philippines, actually, I had done one with, uh, it wasn't through Adobo, uh, through, um, it's uh, Angel's husband. Um, David. David Guerrero. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, they invited BBDO Guerrero. Yes, yeah. Um, and uh, they invited me uh, to speak last year and it was like 1,500 people and that was like it's like crowds in the Philippines are so badass it's like huge and yeah. they're so um, the, energetic yeah energetic it, it was really nice it was a really good experience no I love that I when I was out there you know that that Filipino crowd, it so so much energy. Yeah. And then I remember speaking in China, it was a uh, less energy. <laughs> but I think it was also for it was probably a language barrier as well for me because it was one of those things where you had the microphone or they have translators on the side, so they're like they're it's feeding into uh, Cantonese and Mandarin. Yeah. And then like there's the inverse if you're an English speaker as well, so there's a little bit of like a dissonance there. Probably, yeah. Yeah, but I remember thinking, I'm just gonna power through this. I'm just gonna talk. I'm gonna be. Uh, energized by the sound of my own voice out here yeah, yeah. it's true with like different cultures have different crowd types yeah um i uh well since i'm also half french yeah um oh we're gonna talk about oh it. yeah <laughs> so much to talk about <laughs> um the uh yeah i think the the crowd is also just 
a little less ready to like laugh out loud, mm-hmm. which is just cultural. And that's I mean I think it's it's nice to 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 build that experience in in the states because the crowds are so nice and so supportive. Everybody's yeah. like, yay! You know, like you you do it. You know, right. so even if you say something that's not super funny, I think people will laugh because maybe they feel nervous for you or something. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know if you feel that. I feel that uh, now. I'm trying to mitigate like that awkward laughter. I'm trying to not have those moments, and I'm trying to do my best now to to uh, you know power through when I feel like I need to power through like seeing like being um, present within my own space and, and also within the narrative I'm trying to tell in front of people mm. yeah it's it's an interesting skill set to have I think yeah and to to develop because I feel like every do you like watching yourself no <laughs> I don't it's I, horrible it's horrible <laughs> It's terrible. Yeah, I'm like, oh my god. I do god. listen to myself because I edit this podcast, though. I think listening is fine. I don't know. Maybe we're more used to it. I don't know. Yeah. Also, it's like reliving a conversation because usually it's with another voice. So I'll listen to the other voice. You know. All oh, right. Yeah. So Mara, thank you for coming <laughs> today. Um, it's so beautiful to have you here um, at the Listening Party Studio at Canal Street Market, where we're recording First Generation Burden. The way we begin every podcast and every episode is for you to tell our beautiful listeners a little little bit about who you are and where you're from so i'd love for you to start off there we can just jump right back in cool um all right usually usually that's a, a, actually a question that makes me really nervous because i'm like okay how long do you have like, i guess we, we have an hour <laughs> we have time yeah <laughs> no so um so i grew, i was born and raised in the philippines i lived there for 14 years i'm half filipino half french and I went to the French school mm-hmm. uh, there. My dad's Filipino, my mom's French. Um, and for the Filipino listeners, he's from Zamboanga, um, Muslim religion. And my mom is kind of from a Catholic religion. So yeah. just that's like, that's interesting. Can we dig into that for yeah. a second? How common was that in the Philippines? I know that super not <laughs> super not. Yeah, because it is a ninety or ninety yeah, percent yeah, yeah. Catholic nation, and then about like a little under ten percent are Muslim, yeah. right? And Zamboanga is south. Yeah, south. Yeah, yeah totally. Okay, woof. Yeah. Wow. I passed that test, guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah and How does that a relationship like that develop? Um. Uh, between my parents? Yeah. Yeah, no, it's uh, super interesting. I think they're just both like very open-minded and they were they both shared a love for literature and philosophy and things like that. So, I think my so actually I'm come from a line of imams. So it's like imam from father to son in my family on the my father's side. So they're very religious um, and and my and my dad's mother was a, a teacher. Mm. So they valued learning yeah and so my dad was passionate about religions so he loves uh buddhism he also uh read read about judaism and christianity and um and so for him it was more about uh being influenced by different thinkings around the world that's something that that he always loved um and so he was traveling in in france at a conference and he met my mom uh, I think my mom jumped on him, and there. <laughs> she, I remember. I mean, today would be like I, people wouldn't say this, but my mom always always like, oh, "Your dad's dark skin was just so beautiful." <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that. Uh, and then when uh, were you religious growing up? Was it was it a religious Not upbringing? Not at all. Yeah. Not at all. So I think it's sort of like it both got canceled. So they, my my parents loved just knowledge in general. Yeah. And they they saw it more as just uh, like history. So no, I I I grew up um, uh, irreligious. How do you say? Atheist. Yeah, sure, atheist. <laughs> uh, but it, what's funny is that my dad is kind of like a uh, kind of like a s- silent. Like he he's like the opposite of the gossip person. So 
I often find out about stuff. Not like, a chismoso. No, like he's uh, so. It's like he he. I find I find out about stuff like years later. So when I was 13, I saw these pictures of me like with with imams and like scissors and like a bowl of water. I'm like, what's going on there? It's like, oh yeah, that was your baptism. It's like, <laughs> what? I, I'm Muslim? I'm, and the, oh yeah, we didn't tell you. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. So I was like, oh, okay. What does that mean? Because I'm like the worst Muslim because I just found out and yeah. I eat pork and I have no nothing. <laughs> um, so Secular. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I'm very curious about it. And, uh, um, but, you know, I feel like, like, total imposter syndrome like religion sure. wise I'm like okay no you know it's like a stamped on the Quran or something because so my my grandpa was the imam who and the the, the way it works is that they um, they uh, I think they, they they read the Quran in your in your ear as a as a kid okay and then they, they cut your they, they cut a, a, a piece of hair like I'm so like I don't even know about this like also my dad doesn't like he's again not a chismoso. So when I ask him about stuff, he's like, yeah, I know, it was like that. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> no details. Please, more details, Dad. Yeah, tell me more. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and so then, um, 14 years later, I moved to France. Yeah. And I spent another 14 years in Paris. What prompted moving to France? Uh, the 1997 uh, uh, crisis in Asia. Remember the, the I, I, I'm blanking on the name, like the... The, the economic crisis. Yeah, uh, when when uh, when England had to return. Hong Kong oh, 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 oh. Okay, yes. Because a lot of immigrant families like made a move at that moment. Gotcha. And uh, I think oh, my is, we never actually touched on that in this podcast. That's interesting. Yeah, um, and uh, and my mom sort of like. What were the what were the okay? So if that was the time when when uh, England returned uh, Hong Kong to uh, to China. What what were the reverberations in in Asia at the time that were causing a lot of you know a lot of movement yeah. with, with people? Yeah. For, so from what I know is uh, well, a lot of businesses uh, like stopped. So my the the business that my 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 mom was employed at um, they 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 sort of uh, stopped the office in the Philippines wow. and they they moved elsewhere. So my mom lost her job, but she also was like looking for an opportunity and a reason to go back to France. So she's like, okay, let's fine. This, it's cool. Like, let's go back to France and like have a second life there. Yeah. Wow. And, uh, yeah, at the time also there was a, it, it was economic instability in Asia. I remember there was a time in, uh, in especially eighties films, early nineties yeah. films where there was the, that scene of the American business person talking to an Asian business <laughs> person and what the repercussions of that culture clash were. Yeah. And there were a lot of, it was in so many movies, yeah. so many movies at the time. And then it kind of died down a bit, but then now we're of course working through that again, like, you know, sociopolitically. So that's, that's really interesting. Yeah. Um, so when you ca when you uh, landed in France, what was that like? Was there a culture clash? Like yeah, I um, well, I would go to France every summer, so I was prepared. I was actually really excited. Oh, so you weren't? It wasn't the first time. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because um, my, my mom wanted to make sure I visited my French family. Yeah. And that I had some my a French side to me, um, and um, no, and actually I was lucky to have I, I was in a, a public international school, mm -hmm. so actually it was cool. It was so diverse because in the Philippines. Like, uh, 
you know, it's the Filipinos and white people mostly. Um, I mean, in in the French community. Um, so so here I could discover other uh, and there's other countries. And uh, so when I, when I was at the French school in the Philippines, there were mostly uh, French people or half half French, half Filipinos. Yeah. So there's a like actually it was not normal to be 100% something. Um, oh. I grew up with halfies or like yeah. everybody was mixed race. So, yeah. you know, I was like, so that though they were the minority, the white people were the minority. Yeah. Um, and, uh, we actually had, uh, a few people from Africa as well. Um, yeah. there are, yeah. So it's, were they expats? Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Actually. So, uh, that's also interesting because my parents were not, my mom was not an expat. Yeah. Um, and so we were, you know, like local salaries and everything. Um, and I think. Uh, well, I grew up in a in an expat community, but I was kind of like the poor kid in that expat community. It was just like I was just like very local slash, you know, just not not at the same levels as the people I grew up with. Oh, what's that experience like? Uh, honestly, I you know when you're six years old, like it's it will sound ridiculous, but like when you're six years old, you just want to fit in, and yeah. you know you. That's not ridiculous. That yeah. makes so much sense. Yeah, and like you're invited to your friends' places, and then they like they live in like huge houses with pools and house staff, and and you know like I was trying to be friends with this girl in first grade, and actually we we became best friends, but and I don't think I've ever told her this, but you know it really like struck me back then, and then she my mom. Uh, brought us in her car and it was like a like a flimsy like shitty car you know mm -hmm. like as you can imagine in the 80s like secondhand terrible right um, in the pi yeah uh and uh and she was like why doesn't your mom buy a new car wow and i was like but we can't afford it and and i was and i felt like she was she, i knew it didn't come from a bad place but you know just when you're six you're like oh you see me as different and so I, I actually never invited anyone in my house. And still today, when it, I never celebrated my birthday, I was too embarrassed. Oh my God, yeah. wow. <laughs> um, and that travels to this day? Yeah, and it, it's, it's huh. not, I'm, I'm not embarrassed, but it's not, for me, it's not a happy memory. My birthday is, yeah. is like, it's something, it's like a dinner with my parents. Because, and it's not a happy, like, I don't, I don't, um, I don't see a birthday like, oh, I was with my friends and loved ones because I was too embarrassed for them to discover that I was not like them. Mm. And then, okay, so when you moved to France, was it was it a similar community situation or no? no. I'm sure, but it was it was more wide open, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so I think that's where. But that, but that otherness I, kind of popped off again. Yeah. No, actually, it's, for the first time, I think that's where I I kind of blossomed because I was normal. I was, you know, with you know my. We were in Paris. It was like a school right close to the suburbs. So a lot of kids from the suburbs and um, and from Paris, but kind of like not in a rich neighborhood. So everyone was like middle middle class, middle you know, or whatever class, but like not not rich kids. Yeah. And it was so nice and it was so diverse. Like right. all the countries were represented. Because level it, playing field. Yeah, level. Yeah. And I for the first time I was like, yeah, I I, I feel normal and. Uh, and I think normality is is a theme that an obsession with normality or abnormality right. I know, is a or common the perception theme. of normality. Yeah, it's a, a common theme in my life for some reason. I think it's like now it's my, the fourth country that I, I live in, and I think you know trying to fit in and uh, is 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 a, is a theme that I always go through. You know, yeah. it's like um, and even like in in the states. Uh, so. Okay, fast track. So 14 years in, mm -hmm. in Paris, 
Um, and then I spent two years in Toronto. Yeah. And and now six years in the U.S. Wow. So I'm gonna dip into some of those Paris years. Right. Yeah, because you have an interesting career path, mm. and the reason why I, I'm so interested in you. Um, and I remember the first time we met when Angel brought like some of her crew together. And I love Angel for being such a like a, 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 a center, a yeah. connector, a center yeah. of energy. Yeah. And then we were chatting and I was like, I remember thinking, I was like, oh man, I, we could have chatted for a long time. Uh, we could, that could have been a podcast <laughs> yeah. too. Um, but you, uh, between your work as uh, within the ad industry, uh, which you have a storied career, and then also uh, through Secret Code, uh, uh, where the girl bosses are, and like mm. uh, what you do now at Fishbowl. Like, what what was your introduction to that creative space, and how did you start dipping there? Um, so I, actually, it's it started. Everything starts in childhood. Uh, I um, I grew up with uh, with a computer. My dad actually bought a computer before hmm. having me. Wow! And he was a, <laughs> he loved IT and programming, and like I was groomed to be a programmer. He taught me how to program when I was like six years old in the eighties. That's so. so cool. Yeah, and uh, and he pushed me a lot, and like. Um, uh, at the same time, my parents took me to this really awesome oil painting class since I was five. Yeah. So I developed both like tech and creative at the same time. Um, and uh, we would do exhibits. And, and so it was like, it was my, my passion. Both were my passion passions. Um, and um, I, I grew up uh, playing uh, adventure game, PC adventure games from the 90s, like King's Quest, Quest for Glory. Police Quest. I don't know if you were into those. <laughs> uh, I personally was not. I, I grew, I first got a computer when I was, oh man, a computer I could actually use and function with. Maybe when I was like 14, 15. And then I started like dipping into more PC gaming in that first person shooter space. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, then, you know, like I remember when I first got the, the shareware to uh, Wolfenstein. I was like, yo, this is mm. so fucking dope. And then like, Wolfenstein uh, yeah, 3D. Yeah, Wolfenstein 3D. Or actually Duke Nukem 3D was like oh, yeah. such a classic. And uh, But I was more of um, a console, a yeah. console kid. Right. Uh, but anyway, your story. <laughs> um, and um, But that's amazing. You're into, huh? Yeah, you were into uh, first person. No, no, um, experiential games. Yeah, adventure, adventure, adventure games. games. Yeah. yeah. And um, Kind of like big, like in the intro to big. When when the kids playing the adventure game, we have to input like, oh, uh, take your sword. And, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yes. yes. <laughs> um, and uh, and my dad bought me a book on how to code when I was twelve, um, and that was something that it just like opened my mind and just blew my mind. And I was like, oh my god, I want to be. And back then, I was like, I want to be a webmaster. Um, and I coded my first website from scratch, and it was like 1996 or whatever, 1995, I forget. Wow. Um, and on Notepad, and I was so proud, and like I felt all geeky and everything. Yeah. How did and you even get the the website? How did you even buy the .com? Was it a .com? No, it was on GeoCities. On GeoCities. Yeah, I remember. Yes. Of course, I remember. <laughs> How could I forget? Um, and uh, and so so yeah, so that I think the 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 development, the coding. Right. Um, GeoCities, Angel Fire. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, ICQ. Re oh, ICQ. Oh my God. I still remember my ICQ name, my ICQ <laughs> number. <laughs> wow. Um, and, uh, and so that got me into digital actually. So I was like, I wanted to be a webmaster, meaning like I wanted to be, I, I wanted to design websites, but that, that those terms didn't exist back then, but that yeah. was kind of the space I was in. Um, and then when I went to France, I, uh, applied for, I went, I did a, like, um, in France, in high school, you have to specialize already, um, and it's uh, science, literature, or business. 
And so I, I specialize in science. I did this uh, scientific baccalaureate. And to be honest, it was like my, my parents kind of forced it. <laughs> really? Like, yeah, it's like, yeah, we don't want you to you bum around do the hardest one and like my god but uh yeah I, I i pushed through it was hard but uh and then finally i was free i was like i'm going to art school um and so i did these awesome art schools in in france uh called uh olivier de serre okay. um and sama olivier de serre and um uh goblin goblins have you heard of them no in is that in france yeah and uh, they're but I, but also I don't know much. Yeah, no, <laughs> so. but it, some people know. Um, so Gob Goblin uh, is uh, is where uh, Pixar and uh, Disney Studios poach all their all their um, how do you call this um, animators creatives. animators yeah. So it's like it's really known for animation. Uh, I was not in animation, so it's not to say like oh I'm like the top you know zero point five percent. But but France has a great history of amazing animation and and like really like setting a style. That's thanks to that school. Yes. Yes. Um, oh, so, that makes sense. Yeah. And so and so I was in the digital part of that school, um, and then I had an opportunity to to choose between two things. I wanted to. I wanted to work and do like design music websites, and there was this company that did that called Uzik. I don't okay. know if you know them. No. Uzik. <laughs> and uh, and then I had an another opportunity was with Euro, Euro RSCG back then, so I think they changed. Names. Oh yeah, I know Euro RSCG. Yeah, and so my dad, who had also been a creative director in advertising in the '90s, uh, which is you know in the Philippines. Yeah, in the Philippines. Uh, like a totally different time, by the way. Like it was I bet. Fun. Yeah, it was like he was like. Actually, later when he would give me advice, he'd be like, yeah, like a client, you know, didn't understand what I was trying to say. And I just like, I stormed out of the room and I just like screamed at him and stormed out. I was like, wow, those days are over. <laughs> oh, yeah. You could are, be a diva back oh, then. are they over? <laughs> they are so over. Like, be, like, actually just like very recently, like beyond over, I feel. Yeah. 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 Totally. The second you do that, I was like, mm-mm. <laughs> yeah. Um, I forgot where I was at. Uh, oh, um, studies. Um, studies. Yes. Oh, yeah. And so, yeah, I had to. Oh, choice. choosing digital animation. Yeah. So I had the choice between going um, to a big ad agency or going to that awesome music web design company. Ah, uh, yes. Um, and that was kind of my dream, um, but uh, it didn't work out. So I, I chose the ad agency. And it was always, you know, it was always at the back of my heart. I was like, ah, you know, like you know, ad agency was cool. Uh, but uh, you know, it's not as cool as like designing web websites for musicians. But um, right. but you know, today I'm really thankful because it's thanks to advertising that there are a lot of immigrants um, who are allowed to move to the states. Yes, um, that's true. Because of that visa, the creative visa. Other like all my friends who are not creative, it's so hard for them to immigrate. Right. And um, I mean, there's other ways, but it's yeah. It, so it I'm really is a pipeline. Yeah. And 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 there's also like a it's there's a, an actual understanding within the industry that uh, people do move around internationally, so it's not unusual. It's not it's not weird. Um, it just it just kind of helps to normalize, but not stigmatize. You know, a flow of, of people like for you know based on skills. Yeah. 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 yeah we're, we're fortunate to be able to, to to use our like creative skills to be to export ourselves everywhere. Yeah, that is, that's very true. Like, I, you know, we have friends, I, you know, we all have friends like a friend of mine who's a, who's a lawyer in, in England. And, you know, she would love to travel, but her specialty is like British law, you know, and she can't yeah. really like move around. Right, right, right. Yeah, I, I, I feel so fortunate. I'm, I'm, I'm sure you feel the same way. I feel so fortunate that this career is, you know, really taking me so many places. Yeah. Like, so open so many doors, just, you know. 
like yeah. knowing how to do a thing. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> so so once you uh so once you chose advertising, what was your first agency? So you wrote RSCG. Okay. Yes. Um, and uh, yeah, what, and it was. What were you working on? Oh, at like, the time, what was like, what was the landscape like? Yeah, it was websites. It was like, oh my god, my first assignment was an eight hundred times six hundred pixel website. Do you remember those days? <laughs> eight hundred by six hundred pixel website. Is that crazy? That is so crazy. That's just like a was that a landing page and just a bunch of like hot spots you just like click on <laughs> no, stuff. No, it was big. It was like spacious because the the resolutions were. Oh, right? got it. Um, yeah. and then it moved to one thousand twenty four pixels, and I was like, whoa, that is so big. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and yeah, and so working for you like know, top bar menu. Just, yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> it was like back in the day where the trend was the CTAs were all like full of gradients and outline strokes with gradients. Mm -hmm. Do you remember? Yeah. And like little shine, the the little uh, like white. How do you say? Uh, like a like a white shine on. Oh, the like CTA. a like a glow. The glow. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh my! Well, so what's your what's your rollover state looking like? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was just like glowing a rollover. Oh, yeah, man. exactly. <laughs> I remember when I first started, like when I first made my website, I was using Go Live. Did you ever use Go Live? Mm -hmm. It was it was Adobe's attempt to make a uh, an approachable uh, website builder, so you could just like load in JPEGs essentially if you want to do like the lowest version of it and not really be uh, if you're not like a, a so well versed in code, uh, you could just load into a JPEG, have some hotspots, do simple like That's rollover so cool. states with the, with the gifs. Yeah. Then I built like my first like website on that, and cool. then yeah, it was it it was so weird at that time. It was like such a wild west situation. Yeah. And then I'm still using the same um same hoster that, I, that I've been using for like almost 15 years. It's oh yeah. Nuts. Yeah. <laughs> I feel old. <laughs> yeah. So um so once you uh, so when you're there. Uh, and when you're when you're there, like, what, what what is that path? Like, was did you feel like there was upward growth? Because because you moved to Toronto afterwards. Mm -hmm. Like, what what was the rest of your time in Paris like? Why did why did you want to? Yeah, you know? I leave. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I I did seven years in the same uh, company. Yeah, which was which is crazy today because I consider myself so as a long millennial, an elder millennial. But uh, where you know, like now, yeah, now it's like I feel like also those days are kind of over. But right. I think it depends. I think about it a lot. I had a boss who I loved and who really helped me grow and respected me and like I respected him back. So, you know, it was like, I was very loyal. And I think the other recipe is that we moved a lot and, you know, we changed offices, we changed locations. So it just felt like new right. Uh, right. every time. Um, and then, yeah, and, uh, so we, do you, have you heard of BETC? Yeah, of course. Okay, so I was at, so BET, your RSTG merged with BETC. Mm. Um, and so I was part of, part of that, which was awesome. Um, and, uh, um, and then, and then I think I think unconsciously because I'm half French, half Filipino, the 14 year mark was like looming because uh, I had 14 years in the Philippines, and I I think I felt like I needed to leave after 14 years, so I wasn't more French than Filipino. That's so <laughs> interesting. Is that something that you felt like you could you could vocalize that at the time, or is no. that something that you after the fact? No, I think no, definitely after the fact. But it was just I think it was crazy. It was like it's exactly 14 years, you know, like why why now or i think it's a bit of serendipity but i've always wanted to move away um because i didn't really relate to like real french culture mm -hmm. like just only french culture you know i was mentioning that i was at that really diverse high school yeah and that was that was like where i feel the most comfortable right um but that's then, an atypical experience yeah yeah in france yeah i mean not if you stay in, in, in those places, um, but, you know, once you enter the white collar world of advertising, yes. 
then you're like, wow, these French people are so normal. I mean, they're so not in a bad way, but it's just like, um, um, you know, you, you, you act in a certain way and then you're being judged. So, and you know, France, uh, you know, and like every culture has like sort of the positives and the, yep. the, the negatives. Right. It's, it's normal. They complement each other and they're needed. And so what I love about France is like people are, are direct and honest. Um, but sometimes that honesty can hurt your feelings. Yes. So, you know, there's a specific way of doing things <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> in, in Europe overall too. Yeah. And, and, uh, even if I was French and I get it, it just, my Filipino heart <laughs> was so hurt. <laughs> you know, it's like, we're, we're, we're sensitive. It's like, wait, I thought we were friends. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's like, yeah. oh, why do I feel terrible now? Yeah, exactly. And then when I would, when I would make <laughs> <We're> them, friends. <laughs> yeah, when I would make them understand when they saw that, like I, I would take things a bit personally. They were like, Oh, did I hurt your feelings? So it was like making it even even oh, worse. Even and, like the second dig. Yeah, and I was and then I was like, okay, can I cry now? <laughs> just oh like, my just god, leave. I'm um, not a fan of that. I'm not a fan of that at all. Yeah, and then but then on the other side, when it's done uh, uh, in a in a in a an elegant way, yes. it's actually it can be very funny. Like like a really witty, funny dig can be can be cool. And 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 that's also French humor. It's to it's just sort of it's like there's an expression. It's like qui aime bien châtie bien. It's like who, if somebody likes you, they will make fun of you, kind of. Yes. So it's really in the culture, and so if you're not familiar with that, you're like, why? Why was so? Why were? Did they say something rude? It's like, no, 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 they like you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, because the expectation is that you should also do the same thing back. Yeah. And then that's a bit of part of the exchange. Yes. Yeah. You you have the witty comeback. Yeah. What but, if you don't have the witty comeback? Yeah, I am a ter- I am the like, worst at witty comebacks because <laughs> I think, and I, I when I read this, I was like, oh my god, I, fi- I finally found the reason. It's like in- introverts, we need time to f- process things. Mm. You know, it's like I don't. Are you an introvert or an extrovert? Um, I think I, I'm an internalizer, mm. um, but I think I've I've way more extrovert qualities but there was a time in my life actually I think I only recently got out of this in the past few years is that I used to beat myself up constantly over things I used to say in my past like things I literally just said mm. and then I'm always revisiting that thing actually that Black Mirror episode where where they're oh, like you know they're like going back through their memories I'm like oh, oh that feels God. brutal oh, yeah. but but now in the past few years I think I've, I've actually work some of that out of my system and my memories. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a little more uh, goldfish emotional memory now, which I think is oh, actually better. Good. Yeah, and I, I think that's also, it's funny that you mentioned that because I, I say as a joke, but it's kind of serious. Uh, I think that the secret to my happiness is that I, I, I forget things. So like- <laughs> I agree. Yeah. <laughs> I 1000% agree. <laughs> yeah. Like if, you know, sometimes, you know, like my husband, he he, rem- he remembers. So I'm like, oh, remember that time, you know, we were in Toronto. It was so nice. It was such great, a great time. And he was like, Mara, you're crying every week. I was like, <laughs> was I really? <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not, yeah, I'm not doing much remembering now, which is okay. <laughs> I'm okay with in some respects. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. And so when it comes to witty comebacks, uh, for, for me, um, you know, I, I need time to sort of digest what's going on. And I, I, I have like a five second delay of, you know, it's almost like I'm trying to compute like, okay. Da, 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 da. And mm. then I'm like, oh, oh my God, were, were they actually being rude? And then it's too late. We already moved on. And I'm like, ah, fuck. Um, <laughs> so, so yeah, I have no solution to that. I'll just like try to forget about it. <laughs> yeah, there you go. That's all one can do. Yeah. <laughs> um, so when you, so when you moved to Toronto, what was that process like and why Canada? 
Oh, um, yeah, great question. Because um, so many countries in this world. And yeah. um, so my husband and I wanted to go. And so, yeah, we were, we've been together for two years. Actually, when I met my boyfriend, now husband, back then, he, um, uh, I, I had the plan to move to Berlin. I just wanted to leave after those 14 years. Um, and um, and then he's, he, uh, he told me, like, well, I don't, you know, my English is terrible. Like, I can't even, like, imagine starting speaking German, uh, you know, if we're, if we're still together, because we had only been, you know, together for a couple right. of months. And this is him saying that his English is terrible? Yeah. Or you, because your English is amazing. Oh, no, no, sorry, I was sorry, like, it was him. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. I, was, I was like, wait, your English is terrible? <laughs> no, no. It's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> um, yeah, sorry, uh, he, um, I, we had only been together for two months, and he, and I told him that I wanted to move to Berlin, and that's where he said, well, you know, my, right. my, my languages are not there yet, um, but, uh, you know, if we're still together, like, maybe in a year let's let's figure out a place that we want to both move to uh and i you know and we you know we had just been together so it totally made sense so we were looking for a, a, a an english-speaking place that was far from europe mm -hmm. and in a cool city and that was not in america because back then um i couldn't emigrate to america because i didn't have the awards for it um and interesting and i you know i was like oh yeah yeah i want to try to move to america and then you know just a recruiter was like uh, honey you don't have enough awards uh do, do something else <laughs> i was like okay fine fine and I, I i didn't care i was like okay you know what else and so i was we were thinking about singapore and toronto oh singapore would be dope yeah um and uh and a job opportunity happened i, I you know interviewed on skype back then with my future boss um and uh i got hired and I had, we had never visited Canada. We just went on YouTube. We were like, Toronto. <laughs> and That's we, so adventurous. I love that. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and then we decided to move there. Um, and uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's how it happened. Where were you working in Toronto? Uh, Tribal DDB. Oh. Um, oh wait, I knew that. I did research on you. I knew that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah. How, it was how was really the culture cool. there? Oh, oh, what uh, at at the agency or at the in agency Canada? and in also in the, Toronto. Pre, uh, this is pre Drake. Was Drake rep in Toronto at the time? Ah, uh, I think was it so. pre Raptors for sure. I think it was 2011. 2011, okay. 2011 to 2013. Oh my god, I just I love Canadians so much. I think I'm actually Canadian deep down. <laughs> it's like trying to belong. <laughs> right, your 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 energy is Canadian. <laughs> yeah, because what I love about um what I love about Canadians is that. Uh, there's like the the American optimism yes. mixed with European so uh, European socialist values. Yes. So I, I love that that mix, you know. So um, and yeah, they were so cool, so kind, um, and and you know, and smart and everything, kind of like, and um, and yeah, and the culture at the at the agency, I, I we were obsessed with uh, our boss back then. It was, he was kind of like a cult leader, like. When he when he left, like I cried in front of everyone, like Who I was, was sobbing. Who was your boss? Uh, his name is LP Tremblay. LP Tremblay. Uh, he is so brilliant. Uh, he's, you know, the I mean, one of the or if not the most brilliant CDI I I had the chance of working with. Wow. Um, and uh, yeah, we were um, we were obsessed. And like when he when he announced his departure, uh, like he we were like we were doing a creative meeting with all the creatives, and I was like sobbing, like and people were like. Oh my God! Somebody died in Mara's family. Like she should go home. Why is she sobbing? But I was just sobbing because he was leaving. Oh. <laughs> That's how much I I love my bosses. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and then is that is that something that uh, was that a common work experience? Honestly, like to be that emotionally uh, emotionally uh, involved in in the culture at work for yeah. you. 
Really? Oh, sorry. What's the question? Oh, like to be that emotionally involved in the culture at work for you? I, I don't know. I think I'm just like all or nothing type of person. Yeah, like- I feel that too. <laughs> I completely feel that. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, I'm always very emotionally involved in anything I do or I just disengage. So it's, yeah. So I, it's- I feel that too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and, you know, and sometimes it can be annoying. For example, like these, there's, we have these like different you know, chat groups to get things organized. Like, okay, Thanksgiving. And there's like 11 people like giving their two cents on the menu. And I'm like, you know, there's 11 people doing it. I don't need to be here. Yeah. But if you want me to take lead, I'll do everything. Right. Yes. <laughs> I'm the same way where it's just like, I'll, I'll, you know, it happens with meetings. It yeah. happens with like, you know, even conversations where if I feel that there is a lot of gravitational energy that's in it, that I'm not, I don't want to engage in, I'll just like completely just back out. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I'm just like, I don't need to be in this. Yeah, exactly. Just, can we just leave me alone? Yeah. And actually for meetings, it's funny because often I'm like, uh, do I need to be in this meeting? And I think they, you know, they want to be sensitive and they want to include me like, oh no, you're more than welcome. I was like, no, no, no. I was no, like, no, no, no. I was like, oh, really? Oh, great. I'm leaving. Yeah. <laughs> Get me the fuck out of here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so what, uh, how did you, well, you, we were talking about awards. Talking about racking up awards and coming to the States. Yes. How, how did all that happen? Yeah, so I worked on uh, uh, a bunch of projects that, that won awards. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and, you know, thanks to that CD. Like, I'm here thanks to him. That's why I'm still, like, you know, super thankful and admirative. Um, and uh, and then I went back to that recruiter who... I know, who, oh, actually, no, sorry. Um, and then um, I decided to go to AKQA. Yeah. Um, uh, when he left uh, because because it was kind of my fantasy agency back then. Mm. Um, and thankfully I had, I knew somebody in common with, uh, with uh, who, who worked there. And What account know, were you on at AKQA? I was uh, working for Starbucks, Verizon, Nike. Ah. Um, oh, Verizon's a hard client. Yeah, but I did Very the- Very hard. Yeah, I, I was lucky to do the fun stuff on oh, Verizon. Oh, that's good. Oh, yeah. there's fun stuff? <laughs> yeah, there's fun that. stuff. Well, Go90, do you remember that? I was on Go90. No. I, worked, I worked on Go90 at Momentum. Uh, we were doing the experiential stuff. Actually, my fiance Allie was on Go90 at AKQA at the same time. And uh, what's her name? Um, Alexandra Beener. She was a producer. Oh, I don't know. There were different teams. There were so many teams. So yeah, so the Go90 uh, branding was done at AKQA. That was, yes, yes, it was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and, and I, I remember thinking that looked dope. Yeah, that was our team. Yeah, yeah. Cool. I, I'm well. We were on the experiential side trying to organize that whole Kanye West concert oh, with yeah. Zach Galifianakis. That was the same week as when Kanye was doing 808s and Heartbreak. And that, I remember that whole situation. Then we'd be taking these trips, uh, me and the CD at the time, Omar Salwani. We, we, we would take these trips over to Jersey, the Verizon office. Yeah. And, and then that was kind of, you know, one of those experiences where you're just in the in the belly, right? Uh, and, yeah. and then, you know, now where I'm at Viacom, I have way more, and also my time at Nike, I have way more understanding of the internal workings and like what the complexities are when you're on that other side of the situation. Yeah. yeah and, and everyone's, you know, they have a different type of gun to the back of their head. Yeah, yeah, totally. And by the way, I know this is about your your podcast is oh, yeah, about sure. me. It's kind of whatever. Can I can I ask you questions? Oh please! Oh yeah. no! This is no. I enjoy, I love talking to you. Yeah, but like Viacom, can yes. you, how's that experience like? I will say, and uh, and I won't edit this out. I'll leave this in. I don't <laughs> give a shit. No, just kidding. Uh, 
No, actually, I really like Viacom, and uh, I've never had a job longer than two years. Mm. Um, actually, um, before Viacom, yeah, I, I never even hit a two-year mark at a job. Um, but that's because I'm not unlike you. I'm, I, 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 you probably get bored all the time. Yeah, you're bored by stuff constantly, and you're <laughs> constantly wanting to engage in different ways. Yeah. Um, I would do a thing where I was uh, freelance. Uh, uh, freelance or staff freelance staff freelance yeah, staff yeah, same here. you know and then I was uh, you know shout out to working out working because working out working kind of gave me the the ability to do that in a in a way that you know actually put money in my pocket too that's cool yeah and uh, you know shout out to Justin Genac and um, you know for you know kind of putting me on that him and Adam so um, at, when I went to Viacom, it was after my Nike life, and I had been at Nike in Portland, Oregon for two years. Before that, I was at Momentum doing Go90, working on Verizon, working on Espelon and American Express and some of these other things within that experiential space. Just wanted some newness, and I also just wanted to bounce around and feel like I was being utilized, mm. you know, to yeah, my maximum ability. For sure. And, you know, speaking of all or nothing, I'm one of those people that... I, you know, I need to dig like all my fingers in mm -hmm. and uh, I'm now I'm trying to, I'm now I'm understanding more about the nuances of, of, um, within my leadership abilities and also like a lateral communication, mm. vertical communication, what that means in terms yeah. of, um, you know, reverberating, um, influence, you know, within the corporate corporate structure. Yeah. Uh, but Viacom so fascinating. I don't have to tell the listeners about like everything within the trades that's happening within the Viacom space. Mm. Um, especially, you know, shout out to, uh, Star Trek and CBS. Right. So, um, yeah, like now I feel very engaged. I feel uh, like I have, a, I have this young, creative uh, digital design team that's that's so interesting and so, so cool. diverse and inclusive. Like I talk to them and the thing that I love about being a creative in general, especially in a place that's based in youth culture, is that I learn from them all the time. Right, I, totally. Yeah, I absorb their energy and I feel like I, I my youth is perpetuating through them in some weird way, you know? Yeah. Where they're telling me what's cool or showing me what's cool or I'm just like kind of through osmosis experiencing yeah. like um, trend and um, and newness. Yes. And that just that just keeps me alive and I love it. Yeah, they're amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I work with a, with a designer too. We have a small team, but I love her so much. She's yeah. just like everything she you know whenever she slacks me like something it's, it feels like christmas mm. it's like oh my god i can't wait to see your your comp <laughs> yeah <laughs> no i love that yeah yeah and and uh, what's cool about viacom too is that uh, this the stuff that we're working on in that digital space we're, we're you know creating it's a content company so we're making content across all these platforms getting to work on emerging platforms like tiktok really uh, yeah cool. and um, what's like a typical um uh, assignment oh well, oh let's see so well, I, I recently moved teams. I was their VP of uh, brand design for MTV specifically. And then within past five months, six months, by the time this comes out, it'll be seven, eight months. Um, I just moved to the digital team and I'm their VP of digital design for MTV VH1 CMT logo. So the music group. And uh, we, we create uh, the look and feel, the uh, the branding, the graphics packages for that content across platform. Um, and also we dip in a little bit into product creation. And uh, we might one day uh, work on a YouTube show, yeah. you know, um, just, you know, super poppy, like bright, optimistic, fun youth culture stuff. 
uh, and you know we'll you know go through logos. We'll talk to our you know our amazing motion designers and you know work with uh, show teams. What I'm loving right now actually is that the producers and the content creators we work so closely together, mm. and the silos at least within that space have been broken down a little so bit. Cool. It, it's so fast. So cool. Yeah, and then you just you know after time you're just like you know bang 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 bang, and then on top of that you have the the daily needs for you know a regular platform upkeep like you know like on Snapchat or uh, and Instagram and you know the TikToks of the world. So. Yeah, but there's so much to produce these days. Like, oh yeah. I mean, I, I think it's a it's, it's insane. A, it's a problem that everyone faces, and I, yeah. I don't I don't think anyone has a solution. But yeah. like, how, is this sustainable? Is I don't know. Yeah. And I think. We're in a space where everyone's trying to do everything cheaper. Yeah. Um, and I don't think that's mentality is going to change because right. the need for content, uh, especially with these with these older legacy companies, they're used to making content. Their version of content is very expensive. Yeah. And uh, the the new model, because of all these young, amazing creators that are doing it on their own, but getting millions and millions of views and subscribers, they're doing it on the cheap. So. There is there is a middle ground now where you can throw some production value, so it's like the the theoretical cheap um, becomes you know um, something that we're all trying to get to, but they don't want. It's not like we're trying to hire more people to do the cheap thing. Yeah. You know, so the teams aren't necessarily getting bigger. Yes. I don't I don't know about sustainability, but I know that the need for content is going to change. I think we're what our version of of content is and what good looking content is i think yes. the parameters of quality are are, are shifting for sure yes. but i'm also okay with it because i i i'm not precious about anything i'm down to blow anything up you know yeah yeah totally and because it, it's these are conversations that 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 happen a lot in the the advertising of industry, course which, yeah which I'm, I'm pretty plugged in where yeah it's like you're super plugged in and, and i actually compare it to uh to the the lawyer the lawyer world world and you know once i asked like okay why are some lawyers like paid super expensive and others aren't like yeah. aren't they just like you know it's like the creative who knows nothing are they just like writing words on the paper <laughs> <laughs> why do lawyers make money yeah. i don't know i really don't know <laughs> and then somebody said well the the price difference is that you pay for perfection yes and then they because they have like you know their equivalents of proofreaders or whatever like i'm butchering what it is but like people who are making sure that everything is perfect. Yes. And I and that that really And uh, also to take accountability for blame. You can say like, oh those guys did it. So yeah. you know, yeah. there's a little bit of that too. And I think uh, the ad agency world is similar where you pay for perfection and that's something yeah. like now going brand side, I'm just like jumping ahead, but no, 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 it's great. <laughs> now going brand side, I, I see like, they're like, Mara, we can't do this in three weeks. Like, you know, we need to like get something out in two days and, and it's okay if you fail, like let's just try stuff. And if it, do, if it doesn't work, it's fine. And if it works, it's great. Like, yeah. but I was brainwashed, like everything needs to be perfect Yeah. because otherwise we're going to get fired. You know, that's so, yeah. And I think that's something that you know I'm, I'm shaking myself out of too because likewise that idea of perfection and you know making sure that it is the uh to a level you know yeah but but now i'm shifting my my perception and like what those things are making sure i check yeah. certain boxes but also allowing more for the shifting newness and i, I hope i'm doing that yeah you know because yeah. also otherwise you just go nuts like how are you supposed to exist like I, this week alone we delivered um graphics packages for three new shows wow and that's on top of just daily upkeep of everything else these are and these are like you know 
these are shows that are actually meant to sit in a portfolio of something. Yeah. You know, so it's not a big team, but it's a it's a young, energetic team, and I yeah I don't want to I don't want to sacrifice their lives yes. for something stupid. Yeah. Well, at least you're contributing to culture, and it's not like yeah creating ads for cereal, which is you know which is also culture. Which is yeah. No, you're right. You're right. And it, and I think it's not. Uh, you know, there's a lot of burnout that happens in oh, the sure. industry because of, you know, we need to do more with less yeah. money. So what do you do? You sort of like try to milk the talent and make them and they have to work, you know, often nights and weekends. Right. But, you know, but that's a reality, too. And I don't yeah. I don't shy away from that reality either. Yeah. But then you're, I've slept on a lot of couches at agencies, you know, totally. Yeah. And that's also what made us who we are today. You know, it's like ten thousand hours like yeah. we, we we fit it in the past uh, you know whatever oh, yeah. years. do you have any crazy stories about like just like going like committing to like the utmost level at work because right now what, what i what i love about you is that you're in such a a, a social justice space yeah, and yeah, a social true. impact space and i think we're like really trying to change your industry yeah which yeah. i think is amazing yeah um but does that come from you know wanting to change something that you knew that you were also guilty of yourself you know that's a really good question um yeah no for sure that wow that's a beautiful question because yeah i think um like i hate saying this but and i i have a hard time saying it okay mara get over it yeah i think I'm, I'm a workaholic <laughs> it's like i feel like i'm saying i'm an alcoholic <laughs> um but it's just i just i just i've always loved working uh even when i was a kid you know i loved homework and like when i'm on vacation when i go to, when I would go to france you know i was telling you i was obsessed with computer games and i had no computer for two months and the second thing i loved the most after computers was homework so i would ask my my <laughs> my parents like can you give me some like extra math homework and so that's just the, the weirdness <laughs> my god <laughs> wow you love homework yeah i just i think it's just like it just feels like a game like oh like fill in the blanks and then at the end you're done so it was like that's a fun game um <laughs> and so i think whatever i do whether it's like math exercises or cleaning the bathroom like i don't know just doing stuff makes me happy yeah so i think at work i get just so invested in it and i tend to i tend to just like want to go all in all the time and so I, I spend a lot of time at work and when shitty things happen at work um that affects you know people's morale and people and so i think that's why that's why i care so much about work because you know maybe also back to the, the childhood story because i was sort of at a maybe at a dis i felt i perceived it as a disadvantage with others yeah um i think i think i i just wanted to ace my studies because i it felt like that was the only thing I could control. Yeah. Because I felt inferior to right. my friends. And there's and value associated with it. Yeah. So it's like, okay, I may be like in a dingy house in like a, you know, dangerous, you know, area or whatever, but I'm better than you in all the school subjects. And it sounds so ridiculous saying it out loud because it's like, oh, you know, what what is this thirst to like be better than others? Like, I mean, I, I think about it a lot, but you know, I think that's when you're six years old, you're not really like overthinking it. I'm just trying yeah. to, like, this is almost like therapy, to be honest. Oh, hell yeah. Oh my God. That's, I mean, it's funny because going back to that, this is also work too, you know, yeah, for yeah. me, right? Because yeah. I'm a workaholic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's also therapy because I like to talk through these things yeah. to people that I feel can also talk through it too. Yeah. You know? And I like hearing other people's stories because it also helps my perception of the world Yeah, it's shift. true. You know? Totally. Uh, I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, giving us the opportunity to like 
stay, say stuff on our chest. Yeah, <laughs> for sure, in a safe space, I think. Yeah, um, and so and so I think that's why um, all the side hustles I've done were around improving the workplace. Yeah, because I care about it so much. Oh yeah, and so and back back to the whole like, um, I think through our jobs we can be whoever we want to be if we if we ace at them yes and like i got out of my sort of condition and um and and sort of freed myself from from you know feeling inferior to yeah. to others um do you feel like you've mentally liberated yourself yeah yeah i, I feel i actually do feel like that for me as of late I'm, i feel like you're also in a similar space yeah yeah, tell me more about how you feel that way. Um, well, it's just because I feel now that I'm in more control over who I am. And, you know, I, th I think about the times when I wasn't such a great leader or sometimes when I would, you know, get angry about, like, work or things that I couldn't control. I beat myself up about that stuff, yeah. you know, and I, and I don't like who I am in those times. Yes. And I think now what I'm trying to do, not unlike you, is is provide a space where creativity can still thrive and exist but not at the sacrifice of your own um of your own self in a toxic way yeah you know like there, there's a there's another alternative here and if i can um even at work you know I, I was able to i had the amazing opportunity to do this podcast at the office because you know we're we're in a space where we have to create content that um, that addresses uh, identity in some level, yeah. that speaks to communities on some level, like a variety of people right. um, of all types, right? Um, um, across, uh, you know, uh, uh, socioeconomic um, everything, yeah. um, because um, the internet is everywhere. Yeah. And, and uh, but then in the corporate culture, typically, um, one can't even speak about their own identity or isn't conditioned to feel safe speaking about their own yeah. identity at work. But yet, your the work has to somehow reflect identity. So there's a disconnect, yes. and there, I I was I just like the idea of being able to be proud of who I am at the office. Yeah, you know exactly. And it's funny that you mentioned identity because that's like that's the. So I mean, maybe maybe I should like summarize what I what I've done those three things. Yeah, it's just for the for the listeners. I love that. <laughs> okay, um, and so okay, so. After 12 years in advertising, yes. I was a creative director there uh, with an art background. Um, I decided to, to to experiment. I think I just wanted you know something different. I didn't feel like I could do this for forever. Um, and uh, and I and at the time, actually, I, I did a, a a TV spot and a campaign um, for Verizon. That's the second fun subject. It was uh, raising awareness on the lack of women in STEM. Yes, and that was in 2014. So you know, right before like a girl, kind of before the feminist craze. Because right. I want to talk about secret code and right, also and where the boss lady's at. Yes. I want to talk about this. Yes. And I think, yeah. Um, uh, so when we when we did that campaign, it, it sort of uh, woke me up to the issues on diversity yeah. in a way that I had never felt before. And that's also like another wormhole, how like the Philippines is a matriarchal society mm -hmm. um, yes. that I hadn't realized. And I think I felt when I grew up, I grew up under Cory Aquino, so I always saw oh, yeah. a female president. Oh yeah. I was like, yeah, I mean, no big deal, and um, and I sort of grew that's up. That's really interesting. Yeah. So I, I never felt any barriers, and I think maybe that's also what conditioned me to sort of ace through stuff, because I I was never like you know I think I've been a million times in a room just being the only woman in the room, but I never even noticed. I just don't 
I was like, oh, it, it was only in 2014 when I saw the stats and the studies and da, da, da. I was like, oh my God, this is, this is real. Um, and um, at the same time, um, people were like, how can we find more, more women like you? You know, like creative directors with a tech background. And I was like, uh, well, you know, that was in 20, whatever, 2015. I was like, yeah. uh, dream on. Like the reason I'm here is because I grew up as a geek and, <laughs> and I was able to compete, you know, like when I was 18, I was able to enter Gobelin because I had 18 years of technology experience. So, you know, if you can't, you, you can't expect people to like, to, to be able to, to have the same level of experience if you don't um, nurture them in their formative years. And that's where it went back to the, the campaign. We saw that studies showed that stereotypes have an impact on children's aspirations by the age of six. And so what happens before the age of six is that girls are stereotypically sort of exposed to media about like princesses and Prince Charming and waiting and like just being obsessed about, you know, the wedding dress or whatever. So I'm just like going like super stereotypical, but it's true. Like just yesterday I was, I saw like toys for kids. There was like a cool castle uh, for a girl and a cool castle for the guy. The girl had like the, the, the toad on uh, like it was a pink castle with a toad in front. So it's like, you know, the Prince Charming <laughs> and the guy's castle was like a cool castle that was more like, uh, like, you know, more like Game of Thrones style with oh, dragons. Interesting. And I was like, why can't we have the pink castle with a badass dragon? Like, yeah. why do we have to separate? And it's like right. a toad. Um, anyway, so. Um, That's so interesting. Yeah, and and um, and so I I wanted to have an impact on girls in their formative years so that they could see themselves as, as tech heroes. And that was literally the project. So I, did, I created a customizable children's book that stars your girl as a tech hero. It's called Secret Code. And the way it works is that it, you uh, customize the name, the skin color, and the hairstyle. Yeah. So it looks like the girl you want to inspire. Yeah. And two weeks later, she gets a book in the mail about her story as a badass robot engineer. Right. You can also customize the parents, no? Yes. Um, so That's we, beautiful. So we have single, same-sex, and mixed-race parent options, too, because they're never represented in the media unless it's, like, some weird story about a sperm donor, you know? So it's, like, right. when, when it's, like, um, uh, specific to that. So... So that was a really cool venture. And what I used is like sort of like our advertising skills is creative, creative direction where I, and this was at the same time you were at AKQA. That's when I, yes. So yeah, I, I was leaving AKQA. I was like, so that's just transitioning out. Yeah. So it's funny. I read this book called, um, the crossroads of should and must by El Luna, which okay. I highly recommend if you are, you know, thinking about, the next phase in your life or having questions because it talks about how society brainwashes you to do things that you should be doing like oh you should do this you should do that and but instead you should uh live life doing things you must do like deep inside and so there was this exercise it was like okay if you're still hesitating um do your eulogy and i was like uh okay i'm gonna do my eulogy uh mara moved up the ladder at a giant holding company made money, never saw her family, retired and died. And I read that book on Saturday and I resigned on Monday and Wednesday was my last day. Wow. <laughs> Talk about transformative. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. And who recommended the book to you? Um, I, I don't remember. I think, oh wait, no, I do. Um, I found it at the, you know, the, the store story in, uh, in Chelsea. That has like really cool, uh, really cool sort of gifts and 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 objects. Yeah. Um, I found it there. Oh uh, wow. Yeah, 
And oh wow, you're that type of person. You're just you'll actually experiment with with something that takes a actual big mental investment like a book. <laughs> yeah. Ah, that's so interesting. Um, and so that's when I when that's when I decided to to start Secret Code. Damn. Um, and uh, and so you know I was kind of drifting and like okay you know. I, I had savings um, and I was like, okay, I'm, just, I'm gonna figure out what's next in my life. And I applied for the Girl Boss Foundation and I won the grant for, and that's, that's sort of like put me um, at the forefront. It was kind of like the first sort of big PR thing um, yeah. that I was involved in. And, uh, and you know, it was awesome to like- So these two things are happening at the same time? Which two things? Oh, Secret Code and- uh, Where the Boss well, Yeah, Where the Boss Oh, no, not are. yet. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> such a long story <laughs> no it's, it's good we have time <laughs> and um uh and it was it was, what was cool is that uh you know you got to i i got involved with the girl boss team and then you know sofia amaruso saying things like oh i believe this as a business and i was like wow if sofia amaruso believes in it and like you know coming being a creative you're just like what business is this maybe this will be my new thing right right and so like i business yeah i was like that sounds cool <laughs> i love business <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um and um yeah because like at uh, at agencies you're often infantilized as a creative it's like oh we're, we're not gonna you know just oh, yeah. be creative and also you're shielded from shielded, yeah. from uh from money conversations yeah and 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 from conversations that actually impact business yeah. even though even though agencies uh sell quote-unquote creative yeah yeah exactly um very so, infantilized <laughs> and so that i was i was fascinated by that and so i started like podcasting and reading my way through entrepreneurship and like um and i and that was sort of the the path i, w I decided to get on um and then uh i i was I, I had a couple of recognitions through ken lyons and the one club um they like there's this thing called next creative leaders oh, yep, and yep. the other one uh see it be it um, and, uh, and sort of, they, they find like 12, 10, whatever women around the world, um, and sort of highlight their, whatever their, their oh, yeah. achievements. Shout out to the one club. Yes. I'm hosting young guns next week. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> it's cool. This will come out way after that, but uh, who, it might be terrible. Who knows? <laughs> um, and, um, and I was able to find, I, I started freelancing at 72 and sunny. Oh yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was kind of like a permalance then. They were so cool. I love the team, um, and um, uh, but you know, still, still, still wondering like what was the next step. So while you know you're talking about boredom, mm -hmm. that's a very strong word, but maybe that's what it is. You know, or I mean, restlessness, maybe. Right, yeah, I think yeah, restlessness, and um, and when you see problems, you just want to fix them. Like that's you know, um, so I started getting on fishbowl. Um, and you know, I had heard about it through actually my, my CTO on secret code. Um, and, um, and I saw, so what's, what's awesome is that you find professional communities and like identities that you can lean into. Um, so there, are you on fishbowl? No, I'm not on fishbowl. Have you heard of it? I have heard of it, but mostly through you actually, oh, okay. through your evangelization of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it's actually really cool. Cause I like the idea of, of pursuing mental health as also work life balance through conversation. Yeah. And yeah, I, I probably should get on it. I, I do like the talk. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, it, you just see your experiences really validated and it's almost like you can move on. Not only you learn from people's advice, you know, people like are like, hey, I just found out that somebody I'm managing makes more than me. What do I do? Like, that's not a question you can ask anyone. Right. And then suddenly like the chief 
a CCO, that's what you, that's the identity that you see response to you. And it's like, hey, this is what you do, da 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 da. You know, it's like, there's really like some sort of like supportive community there. Yeah. Um, and so there are different bowls. So it's kind of like groups. And um, you have the, the main ad agency bowl, you have women in advertising, minorities in marketing, agents in advertising. Um, and, um, and in women in advertising, it's such a, it's like a warm hug, you know, it's like you feel so validated and you, you, you share different issues that you're going through. Like, oh, um, how, what, how do I, what do I do if I'm not, I don't feel listened to in a meeting? I feel, you know, being talked over a lot. Like you can't ask that on LinkedIn either because it sounds aggressive. Yeah. Um, and so I keep, kept on seeing something that came back, you know, because as women are marginalized in like super, you know, white male dominated agencies. Yeah. And and it's, I'm, I'm not like dissing on white men at all. Like a lot of them were my bosses and I love them. And my grandpa was a white right. man. <laughs> right. No, but, um, but let's, I don't want to, you know, mistake or I don't want to pretend like there's no patriarchy either. Yeah. Yeah. And so what happens is I think there's, it's more of a misunderstanding than like, you know, overt, like overt sexism yeah. in my mind. Um, I th and I, and I, I say this because, you know, having now it's like my fourth country, like I'm always adapting to like, local culture and so I, I i see that you know if a white man says something offensive to uh, a minority woman it comes out of ignorance more than anything so uh, anyway so yeah. people people were kept on asking like oh where are the the female-led agencies like I, I i i just feel so lonely at this uh, at my agency and that question kept coming back so i'm like you know what i'm just gonna share this spreadsheet real quick and i remember it was like I was on my couch. I have this clear moment. I think I knew like something might happen, but for me, it was like it's gonna take five minutes. I'm gonna create an open access spreadsheet, and um, and I'm gonna ask people to on fish on yeah on fishbowl to to fill it up and add their female bosses. So I was like I only knew of five female leaders, and so I I had five people on that spreadsheet, and I and I posted on fishbowl, and it and it sort of. And then exploded brrr. from there. Yes, and it was so amazing because, you know, um, seeing people like live on a document, but you know, like dozens of people like adding their bosses. That's so cool. Yeah, and then you know, like those little animals on Google Sheets. Yeah, like there were just so many, and uh, I think it caps to like twenty because mm -hmm. um, uh, it was always at that number, and people were like just adding stuff, and it, that spreadsheet became like uncontrollable. Um, and uh, that's so cool. Uh, yeah, and it, you know, I thought we, would, we, I thought it would go up to like twenty, but actually yeah. it went up to like a hundred and two hundred. And and at that moment, somebody reached out to me uh, from Fishbowl, and she's now my co-founder today. Uh, and she, her name is Christina Jones. She's amazing, and she's like, I love what you're doing. Uh, not to brag, I am um, like a database nerd. And I would love to help. I'm on Airtable. I love organization. Oh my god! And I was like, I wow. love you. That's amazing. <laughs> and that's how we met. And um, and she she became my co-founder. And I trust her to death. And what's funny, like months later, year or like a year later, she told me like, oh, I, I did I did some research on you. To I asked a friend who knew you, like if you were legit. And I was like, wow, Christina, I didn't even do research on you. I just blindly accepted you. <laughs> <laughs> You're just so down. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and she's so legit. She's awesome. And that's uh, amazing. And so that's how, and now where are the boss ladies has more than a thousand female leaders. And our mission is to provide women with role models they can work for. Yeah. So it's less about, you know, I think a lot, you how know, does that manifest itself? 
Um, so it's it's literally a, a list uh, organized in different tables. So what's amazing with Airtable is you can embed tables. Are you on Airtable? No, not really. Yeah, you're not into spreadsheets. <laughs> uh, oh, uh, hold, let me uh, let me think about that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's um, it's like spreadsheets 2.0. It's like what's you know Squarespace of spreadsheets. Got it. Um, and what's really cool is that you can embed portions. Um, on a website yeah. super easily so on the on the site you have like different categories just like bosses by role so you can you can search by creative account strategy there's bosses by city um, bosses by agency yeah and then there's another one my favorite table it's boss women of color wow so like they're all there um, and uh, and it's and can I say you are so much uh you have so much production and project management in your bones on top of like the creative angle. I'm like, I am trying to keep up with like all of it. It's amazing. Uh, yeah. I think I just, uh, I, I think I'm a very pragmatic person. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, I'm creative, but I'm like, okay, okay. So what's the solution? Let's do it. You know? So like, let's not overthink this. Um, and, um, and it's been amazing to hear, like a lot of women have found uh, a job opportunities through the list. And what's cool is that, you know, something that I hate, in the ad industry, and I understand why it exists, but I, I'm not on that team. It's like this obsession with awards. Yeah. And I, yep, yep, yep. And we have benefited from it. Yeah. You know, like can't, can't deny that either. Yeah, I'm in America thanks to awards. Yeah. But I think it's sort of my, my democratic side, or I, you know, it's like I want people to have equal opportunity. Um, and, uh, and I think awards is kind of like look at my shiny trophy, and <laughs> it's kind of like. To, uh, it's it, for me. It almost feels like, oh, who has the biggest penis? Uh, what's the what's the expression? Oh no, he has anyway. <laughs> yeah, it's it's definitely a pissing contest for sure. Yeah, and um, and so I wanted to provide a different perspective because yeah. I, you know, after now fourteen years uh, it, working, I realized that uh, what matters to me is having a boss who's nice. Like my yeah. bar is so low, it's like. Just be nice. Like I don't care if you have awards. I don't care if you're smart or yeah, you know, minimum smart. But yeah. like, yeah, there's just you have you know, do you do you care about my career? You know, do you care about my health? And so on the on the site, we give people the opportunity to give compliments about oh, these women. That's cool. So there's like a section. There's like cool fact. So like, oh, you know, she's a mom of four and a motorcyclist. And I'm like, yeah. ooh, I want to work for that. Yeah. And then there's compliments. Oh, she really cares about this, about that, da da da. And what's cool is like. Um, it's not about saying like, oh, you know, you're a woman, you should find a woman boss, but no, find somebody who's like you, who kind yeah. of, it's like dating, you know, some people want like a rough boss that pushes them. Others want a really empathetic boss who yeah. cares about work-life balance. So yeah. just find your kind. Yeah. Just find your kind. That's so interesting because the, the idea of, you know, uh, actually finding variety or being able to like have variety within boss types. I think that's actually a new ish idea. Yeah. You know, cause I think like the market wasn't always uh, so friendly towards, you know, that level of, uh, you know, possibilities. That's, yeah. that's really amazing that you're opening that up for people. Yeah. And, and um, no, it's a, it's a super heartwarming. Like a one of a woman on the women of color list yeah. got reached out by Netflix that's cool. And and she was like, and she's on no list anywhere, you know? Like she she had uh and often like in the ad industry and we have benefited from that too. It's yep. like being creative, we're kind of like the ones winning everything and our names are mentioned and we're interviewed and whatever. But there's a bunch of people on the team who are working hard and who will never be nominated because they're not creative. And so this opens it up and she's not in creative and uh and I thought that was just so badass that, you know, she, they uh, 
to, that she was able to find that opportunity. Yeah. And so like, you know, companies like a lot of companies are using it like Disney and Apple and it's free. Yeah. And, uh, and my goal, you know, th these lists exist. There's lists, you know, and they're, and they're, they're being monetized, which I, which I get because the people behind them need to pay the bills. Yeah. Um, but that's not my mission. Uh, I mean, our mission is, is for the women who are younger and who need role models to, to feel motivated to remain in this industry. Yeah. No, that's great. Oh, that's, that's so beautiful. I, it's like the thing about, um, about stuff like this and also like seeking out those things, going back to the, uh, the awards and the bosses situation for me now, um, for my bosses, I'm the same way. Like, please just be nice. Yeah. <laughs> please respect me. Mm. respect what I know that I can bring to the table yeah. respect my potential mm. I don't care if you have any fucking awards yeah. I don't care if you're like you know a rock star or whatever because yeah. I know I, I know who I am and yeah. I know what I can bring yeah. I know that I can bring that thing you know yeah um and i'm just trying to you know spread that piece around yeah and i think there's a there's a shift now because well thanks to conversations like this people talk and then i think those leaders they, they're hopefully it comes to their ears and they're like yeah. oh maybe and that's what what's empathy been is a thing yeah and that's what's been amazing some women have told me like who were featured on the list and they're like oh i had so much fun reading compliments of other women because i realized like what was important to them yeah and it's true like when you're high up and from a certain generation who maybe you know didn't have a, the occasion to be really real with each other sometimes you're like i don't even know what i'm doing right and like just seeing what people like is is, is informative yeah so what is coming up well first of all this is such a great conversation i could talk to you forever oh, yeah. <laughs> um as we're winding down unfortunately uh what, what, what's coming up for you? Um, wh what is happening in your life? You are doing so much travel, doing so much speaking. I'm amazed that you even keep track of all of it. <laughs> like, I, I don't I don't know how you're just not like, a, how you're not just like napping right now <laughs> based on all the stuff you're doing. Uh, let us, uh, I would love for the listeners to know a little bit of um, anything that you want to throw out there. Oh, uh, man. It's like when people ask me what I'm going to do over the next weekend, I'm like, I have no idea. I'm the same way too. <laughs> I don't remember what I did last weekend. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> we're, I think we're just like in the moment and we're like giving our full selves and then yes. we just move on. <laughs> Fully engaged. Actually, it's funny because after this, after uh, after we leave the space, I'm just going to turn way off. I'm just going to be like completely disengaged. Uh, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's like going to take it way down. <laughs> um, yeah, I think, uh, wait, what was your question? <laughs> I already <laughs> forget. <laughs> uh, well, what's, what's coming up next for you? Oh, okay. I mean, just a few things that, that come to mind. Um, so with where are the boss ladies where we're doing events yes um and it's a really and and you know same thing about you know questioning i just i don't know i feel like i have so much i'm so lucky to have had parents who have like get given me like good lessons in life and one of the lessons my my dad gave me was like whatever everyone thinks um question it and so i think that's sort of why you know i i'm motivated to do whatever so like panels and conferences and, and speaking engagements. And, you know, I, um, I try to involve the audience as much as I can yeah. because, um, I know what it feels like to see like somebody who seems successful and you're like sitting there and that person's like showing all their successes. Right. They could be right there, but they look, uh, they feel a million miles away. Yeah. And, and I, I, I don't know. I just, I don't like it when people, um, think that, I have it all or whatever that they that they are less than yeah. so i try to make everyone participate and i and that's i i don't like anyway so 
the events that we're, we're doing, and that's similar to the event I talked about um, at the 3% conference, is um, I call it um, uh, therapy meets rosé meets networking. <laughs> <laughs> Great tag. <laughs> and, uh, and basically it's like there's no performance, no mics, no presentation, and we're just talking about our challenges with each other in a safe space. Um, and so, so yeah, it's, it's been really fun just to get super real, uh, with each other and just, you know, provide support. So that's the, that's a, an event we're doing at Forceman and Bodenforce, uh, Very the cool. agency, uh, on Tuesday. Um, and then even with Fishbowl, like I'm so excited about what we're going to be doing because our mission is to help move careers and industries forward yeah, yeah. and, and facilitate and, you know, democratize conversations between people from different genders, different ethnicities and different, um, levels. Cause like C-suite leaders are able to talk to juniors in a safe yeah, way. Yeah. So we'll be getting into a lot. It's l- important like a to break down those, um, those power dynamics yeah. within conversation because I, I, with the past couple of years for me have been so intense in terms of the learnings yes. that I've taken, um, I've taken in and also absorbed. And now I've, uh, you ever watched the show Succession? Oh my God. I'm obsessed. Oh, so fucking good. <laughs> so good. Oh my God. So even, good. even rap and Kendall. I'm so into yeah. it on every level. Yeah. Yeah. But the nuance of that conversation, I don't think I could have really understood that show like five years ago. Yeah. But then now I'm looking at it like, oh yeah, hmm, that makes sense. Oh, yeah. Yeah, huh, yeah, that guy totally fucked up with that thing. Plus you're you're in that world. Oh, actually, right? yeah, yeah, actually, Me- yes. Media company, no? I mean, I would say that there's many many truths. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and parallels. Uh, I won't say which ones. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it's it's crazy. It's a, yeah, that's specifically that media company situation. I, that, there's a re- there are many reasons why I love that show. That yes. also is one of them. It's funny because one of the other reasons I love it is that my my gym is uh, Crunch Fitness is oh, right yeah. in front of Voicestar Roy- Royco uh, shooting building. Oh, the building, whatever yeah. that is. Yeah, and I'm like, oh my god, I'm living it right now <laughs> in Wall Street. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Wow, cool. Um, yeah, I mean, there's probably other things that I'm forgetting, but yeah, this. I mean, this was awesome. Oh, uh, this is great. We should uh, come back and do it again. Yeah, I, I'd love that. <laughs> uh, where can our listeners find you? Um, I, uh, my Instagram is mara.lecoq, L-E-C-O-C-Q. Um, my Twitter, but I'm so not active. <laughs> Me neither. I'm, I'm more of a visualizer than a writer. Yeah, right. Yeah. So Mara underscore Lecoq and you'll never see me tweet at anything except like complaining about customer service. <laughs> <laughs> I use Twitter to gaslight somebody. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's it. Cool. Mara, mm-hmm. thank you so much for coming through. This yeah. is amazing. Yeah. Thank you, Rich. <laughs> So thanks to Mara for coming out. I know I'm probably going to be replaying this conversation to myself even a couple more times just to hear some more inspiration and get more nuggets. Uh, but that said, you can find this podcast at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor, Stitcher, SoundCloud, wherever you get your podcast content. Please rate us and drop a review. It helps spread the good word. Go to firstgenburden.com for all the episodes. On Instagram, we're at firstgenburden. And you can find me, your host, at rich underscore tu. Again, thank you to Listening Party and Canal Street Market. Follow them at Listening Party Presents and at Canal Street Market. Thanks to Desgen team for their support. Thank you for checking out Season 5 of First Gen Burden. Come back next week, dropping every Monday. Be safe, everyone. Bye.